Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You, dear Christian, have been set free. Not that kind of freedom. She killed it. And this is Wretched Radio, a Christian. You have been set free. I'm not talking about liberty when we consider our country. I'm talking about Christian freedom. But if I could distract myself, which is never difficult to do, was reading an article last night from Andrew Walker, the ethics prophet Southern Sem, talking about the need for a theocentric right, meaning if conservatism does not acknowledge God, something transcendent, then conservatism is going to wither. Conservatism without God is merely progressivism doing the speed limit. In other words, you can't put the brakes on anything and you can't tell people, hey, this is the best way to live if God is not invoked. Now, of course, it does raise the question, Well, how do we bring God into the conversation about values, moralities, and legislation? Some would say, well, we mandate it through the government. I would say that we evangelize, people get saved, and then they go into politics, and and law, they bring their biblical wisdom with them. Nevertheless, There's a big distinction between American liberties and Christian liberty. They both deal with the issue of freedom, but spiritual liberty. How we are set free in Christ is a subject that I think perhaps more than ever needs to be considered. When we can have these online conversations about what we're supposed to do and think, it demands that we have a more robust theology, not not less theology, more. What's going to guide us? What is going to constrain us? What is going to keep me from getting mad at you because you don't do it the way that I think you should do it? And the answer is found in Christian liberty. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You are no longer under the authority of the law. You've been set free. So now that raises the question, what does that freedom look like as a Christian? Obviously, it cannot mean that we can live any way that we want to. That's clearly would be to undermine the thrust of New Testament sanctification. We should be obeying God. We should strive to be good children. But that doesn't mean that we haven't been set free in many different decisions that we make as Christians. Now, this is kind of related to the conversation that we had about adiaphora, disputable dispensations, the stuff that we disagree on. Christian liberty uh, is at least a cousin 
to disputable dispensations. So we need to understand how do we go about the business of exercising that liberty? How do we make decisions, do stuff, even when somebody else might disagree with our decision without sinning and without causing somebody to genuinely stumble? And the answer to that is found in... A resource that we'd like to give you. It's called Christian Liberty. We're giving it away. If you go to wretched.org slash liberty, you can get the stream. You can get the download. It's, I will just tell you, it's a little bit of work. But if you desire to exercise your Christian freedom rightly and to know when others are perhaps not exercising their freedoms rightly, it's, it's really well worth the effort. It's free. Wretched.org slash liberty. And inside of that lecture series, there are a number of criteria that are given to help us determine how can I use my freedom? Can I watch this? Can I go to that? Can I consume this? Can I travel to there? Oh, all of these liberty issues that are on the table need to have some bumpers. Otherwise, we're going to biff it. So for your consideration, here is how you can know that you are exercising your liberty rightly or somebody is or isn't. Number one, the biblical filter. This is from a pastor cutting offers these filters. Number one, the biblical filter. What are the biblical instructions, the standards and principles that apply to this decision that I'm about to make? What does the Bible say? Number two. The kingdom filter. Does my decision reflect that Jesus Christ is on the throne of my life? That's going to curb some of your liberty. Number three, the faith filter. Is the choice that you're about to make a clear reflection and result of your faith in Jesus Christ? You should be noticing that these standards, first of all, they are biblical. That's that's from Romans 14, 23. But the standard is actually quite high. And I know this has been used ad nauseum, but if you're sitting on your couch and you're wondering, should I be watching this? And you ask this question, is this a reflection of my faith in Jesus Christ? Could I watch this with my Savior? Suddenly, you're going to have far fewer cable channels to choose from, which frankly, I, I don't know how we can have fewer. I, we've got like a hundred, our cable thing, however it works, we got like a hundred channels. We basically watch four. <laughs> That's about, and if in doubt, Shark Tank is on. And do like HGTV, the golf channel, the tennis channel, and wherever Shark Tank is, because that's about all that there. Oh, now take that back. Some sports stuff. So we can watch a CBS when there's something that we would like to watch or ESPN. But overall, very few choices. And when we apply these criteria to our even TV viewing, um, we don't have liberty to watch most of it, frankly. Number four filter, the approval filter. Galatians 1.10. Is this decision a result of pressure from others? Or is it based in seeking approval from God? Number five, the influence filter. 
Can you in good conscience say to all who might be watching, do what I'm doing because that's going to bring you closer to Jesus. Now, this would be a good time to consider some of our contemporary issues. We've got the DEI business. You've got the attending the unbiblical wedding business. We are confronted with a slew, and I do mean slew, of issues that demand that we use these filters, maybe not definitively, but at least in part to consider, should we be doing these things? What about issues like surrogacy? What what about even issues like Christian nationalism? What about critical race theory? These are helpful in determining how we view those issues too. Number six, the impact filter, 1 Corinthians 10. How will your choice reflect on the reputation of the Christian faith? Number seven, the ultimate filter. Does your decision Does your behavior glorify God? Those are seven criteria that you can use. But hold on. There's another list. I took this from one Tom Hammond because there's two M's right in the middle. So I like to be literal in this. The selfishness test. Is any part of this decision rooted in selfishness? James 3. The secrecy test. Would I mind if others knew about this decision? Why? The stumbling test. Will this decision cause someone to stumble in their Christian walk? Number four, the similarity test. What if everybody followed my example? What would that look like? Five, the separation test. Will this decision lead me to becoming more worldly or more enjoined to unbelievers? Number six, sanctification test. Will this decision hinder or help me grow in the image of Jesus Christ? Seven, The Spirit's guidance test. Is this Spirit-led or people-pressured? Now, Spirit-led doesn't mean I just feel it. He's moving me in that direction. No, it's based on the Bible. It is based on receiving godly wisdom based on the Bible from other believers. That's how he leads. That's the thrust of Romans 8. The only verse that we have about the Spirit's leading, he's either leading you in general in a godly way or you are bucking against him and going a different direction. It's not a mystical feeling. Number eight, the serenity test. Got to be careful with this one, but do I have peace about it? That should not be the main focus. I just don't have a peace about this. Okay, that's because we kind of turn that into a mystical. God's giving me a sense of it, so he's either affirming or denying my decision. No, you maybe don't have a peace because it's not in alignment with God's word. Nine, the scripture test. What does the Bible say? And finally, the supremacy test. Will this decision glorify God? Christian, you have a liberty to a point. This is Wretched Radio. Record number of children are attending the Tomorrow Clubs in Africa. You should see the videos. Hundreds of kids run to meet at a Tomorrow Club in Africa. Why? Because Tomorrow Clubs, their weekly kids meeting clubs where the kids, yep, they get some treats, but they get the gospel. They get the Bible. They get Bible memorization. Remember, we used to force our kids to do that, but now that we're oppressors, we don't want to be toxic and make our kids memorize Bible verses when it's about a gazillion times easier than when you get old. And 
They worship the Lord, they pray together, and they get loved on. Tomorrow clubs, I'm telling you, record-breaking. The images are so encouraging, so cool, and I would encourage you to consider being a Tomorrow Club partner. One dollar per child per month. Encourage you to please consider supporting the great ministry, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. Might I, first of all, thank you for the hundreds of wretches who supported Masters Academy International last year. And if you are now perhaps intrigued by what they do at Masters Academy International, would encourage you to check them out. Yes, we're doing a Bible distribution program with them, but they're training pastors around the globe. Seminary trained students at the Masters Seminary return to their native land and they get plugged into a Master's Academy International mini seminary outlet where they teach indigenous pastors how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's brilliant. And these indigenous pastors trained at the Master's Seminary train indigenous pastors. Brilliant. It is a wonderful ministry and you could be supporting a pastor, you could be supporting a seminary overseas and you'll be strengthening the local church. You can do that at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Know your church fathers. Ambrose was the Bishop of Milan in the fourth century and one of the four original doctors of the church. He defeated Arianism by appealing to scripture and using well-reasoned arguments. Ambrose reminds us that a faithful teacher is a blessing to generations of Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And then there's this. Oh, boy. By the dawn's early <laughs> this is a Ratchet Radio. Speaking of creepy, received a couple of emails that helped me to consider more fully a question that was asked about a week ago on Mailbag Day about how we respond to people in church that creep us out. Jimmy, do you recall having that conversation? I do recall. We kind of curious. It's like, well, how many... How many creepy people are going to your church? <laughs> and I now, with the help of other believers, see, here it is. This, this is. this is a little example of the church being the church. When I responded to the question, hey, how do I react to all these creepy people? I don't even want to go to church. I'm like, well, um, maybe your church is just creepy or something. Or maybe 
you you just get unnecessarily creeped out by people. And I can't help but wonder if that wasn't more of a, sorry for this, male-driven decision. Because I received a number of emails from women who said, um, not sure you understand how many times as a woman in church, we get creeped out. Oh, no. I hadn't considered that. See, this is this is why we need the body. This is why we need church. I cannot tell you how much more advanced your Christian walk will be if you join a church and start serving and start going and start discussing and start tapping into people for wisdom and letting other people speak into your lives as you do that service to them, you're going to grow a lot and you're going to be smarterer. And this is this is just an example of that. You, you had two male perspectives. Well, here's a female perspective. You weren't wrong, writes one. I'll leave the names out because we all know a talk show host is never wrong. Well, I'm glad we've got that resolved <laughs> once and for all. But it brought to mind a difficulty I've had in the past and other female friends have had at church. Sometimes a man at church will show interest in a woman who is not interested in them romantically. And that can feel creepy. In my case, the man was older and would do things like stare too long, hang around me while I was having conversations with others, and just generally being around me a lot. Okay, I get it. That's creepy. Now, I do believe we need to recognize that there can be some subjectivity to this. And we always need to make sure that we hear both sides of a story. But let's be honest, whether it's a woman or a man, you kind of get a sense of what people are up to. And, and we've got to honor that. And we've got to respect that and say, okay, ladies, if you're feeling that way sometimes in church, we need to know about that because it may not be creepy in our eyes, but if it's creepy in yours, we're, we're going to submit to that and help with that. And now I suspect somebody's going, oh, great. So this is all a part of a the hashtag Me Too movement. I hardly said that. But I do think that a woman has a different perspective than men do when it comes to creepy behavior. We don't get creeped out the same way. And that doesn't mean we're better. It just means we don't. But women do. Let's continue with the letter. Any suggestions for someone in that situation? Well, my suggestion would be that you, first of all, if you're married, talk to your husband. Got to talk to your husband about this. Sir, you should be the front line. If there's an issue, if, if your wife is feeling uncomfortable, it's church, it's anywhere else, this is biblical manhood. This is going, look, I don't like confrontations. I don't like having to address these things with people. That's just not my style. Too bad. It's your job. And you need to step in front. And you need to not harshly, not accusatorily, but to address this with the dude that is creeping out your wife. That's your job. Now, what about single women? This gets a little trickier now, doesn't it? Because your source of support in this would be the elders. 
It could be another older godly man in the church. That's a possibility. You could. I think that's an option. But it would also be the elders to go to them and say, hey, I'm having a situation. Now, the question is, what are the elders going to do? And I think that there's at least two things that they can do in response to the creeper. Number one, talk directly to the creeper. Hey, we're going to trust you're not aware of this, but... It has come to our attention and we've observed it ourselves that your behavior around women is not appropriate. You've got to work on this and we're going to help you. We're going to help you understand what you're doing, why that's bothersome and how you can be doing it better. I think that is that the direct communication is always best. But secondarily, I think cultivating a culture that is one where men are aware of their behavior so that they act in a noble way. And that can be done, Bible study, it can be done from the pulpit. There are texts that lend themselves to this subject and they should be preached. And uh, this is not a Barna study that that we've got here that that, that we can definitively say this is the percentage. But I'm willing to say, based on the emails that I received, it, it must be enough of a thing for a number of women to send me an email about it. It must be an issue. Is it the biggest issue in the church? Well, I don't know how you weigh those things, but it seems that it is an issue. Furthermore, I think we men can cultivate these things with other men, starting with young men, in bringing them up to really honor women. We live in a culture, we all know this, opening up a door for a woman. Oh, who needs that? I bumped into one of those women the other day who almost wanted to yell at me for holding the door, which, by the way, I in that little dynamic, I probably would have done for a dude, too. It just was being polite. She just looked at me and was like, thanks. Okay, then. That's the culture we live in. And we need to reject that. That, that voice is wrong. And we need to drown it out with men are noble. They are gentlemen. They stand up for women. Remember that? Woman would enter the room and the men would get up in honor of the woman. Holding the chair, opening the door. By the, by the way, when you go into the revolving door, what are those things called, Jimmy? Yeah, well, I guess a revolving door where, you know, oh. whatever those things are called. <sighs> Who's supposed to go in first, man or woman? A woman, always. Why is that? Because you let women go first. Mm, but with the revolving door thing, the oh, man goes to, first because he has to, to push I, I get it. you. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> there's rules to this game of being gentlemanly. Let's cultivate that with our young men so that they grow up to be different. And I will tell you, if you are a younger man, you start adopting some of those old pathways of men acting nobly around women. You are going to stand out. Not like a sore thumb. Oh, sure. Some of the feminists, they'll hack at you. But other godly women are going to go, hmm, he honors women. There is not a woman on the planet that would hate you for that. Another email that was sent in on this subject. I understand your restrained response. As the writer of the question didn't give a lot of clues in the email, but to any woman who's been creeped out at a service, they know exactly what the question could be addressing. And it shouldn't be given short shrift. And hopefully we're not doing that now. Churches 
most certainly have creepers. Not unlike one's family reunion with the designated creepy uncle in attendance. That's true. At best, they are people who are socially awkward, which can lead to very awkward situations. Actually, you know what? I edited her word. She said obtuse. I'm going to go with that. Just, they just don't know. Perhaps. They, they're giving the benefit of the doubt. They never had a dad who taught them these things. They never had a friend to go, dude, you like stare lasers through women. Deal with your eyes, bro. You got you to gotta make a covenant with those eyes. At worst, they are people who are boorish, lag boundaries, corner women into uncomfortable conversation, get handsy by way of uninvited hugs. And side shoulder squeezes. See, I, I thought the side shoulder squeeze was okay. And I hope I've never creeped out a woman. But I, I, I think that's in our culture as close to a holy kiss as you want to get. Mm, does, maybe it's just the dude who does it. But Jimmy is a side shoulder hug. I thought that's kind of what we did. Uh, I, I guess, maybe. Okay. Well, you can send an email and let me know your thoughts. Idea at wretched.org. I am fortunate to have the protection of my husband to keep me safe. But for those who are single or whose husbands or boyfriends are absent, it's just creepy. They might not be breaking the law, but it can make for a really uncomfortable church experience. So on behalf of all women who've ever found themselves in the clutches of a creepy person at church, what practical steps can they take aside from crying stranger danger? I think the bottom line... Uh, recommendation that I would offer you need to get other men involved why because that is our job and sorry madam if you've been creeped out at church this is wretched radio And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks. We start today in the world of academia, specifically at the University of Michigan, where a professor esteemed for her insights on disinformation. <laughs> that was funny to say. Anyway, she recently made headlines calling the First Amendment our Achilles heel in this country and made a push for more censorship. Because, you know, in a free society, who needs differing viewpoints when you can just control the narrative? Thanks for that, Professor. We really need more people like you molding the minds of our young people. Shifting gears to Argentina, where the new president has made some waves by banning, by banning gender-inclusive language in official documents. And this isn't the first thing that's been shook up by the new president of Argentina. He says, no, not on my watch. And he's taking a stand against the woke Bob, and this time he zeroed in on their linguistic gymnastics. And he's trying to restore some sanity in the country. Good for him. Meanwhile, at the University of Houston, they face some backlash because they displayed a satanic idol celebrating abortion. How fun is that? Let's celebrate the murder of innocent unborn children for no reason at all. An 18-foot statue sits on campus, a bronze monstrosity of a naked female figure with goat horns and tentacle arms meant to symbolize justice for women? Just a bunch of woke nonsense is all that it is. An abomination. Recently, in an interview, California Governor Gavin Newsom defended abortions up to birth as a personal choice for women and their doctors, while at the same time he dodged quite a few questions and dismissed late-term abortion concerns. But he did proudly showcase his pro-abort stance on national television. But he proudly stands as a pro-abort 
and did so on national TV. The pro-death policies will likely continue in the state of California. They continue to disregard the sanctity of the lives of those most vulnerable among us. Speaking of which, lastly, a new report reveals that almost $2 billion of taxpayer funds have gone to abortion advocates like Planned Parenthood. From federal funds supporting overseas abortion advocacy to Planned Parenthood exploiting legal loopholes, this is systemic support for murdering unborn innocent lives, and it's absolutely disgusting. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Mark was a follower of Christ, traveling companion of Paul, an associate of Peter. His gospel presents Jesus as the Son of God. Here, Jesus is the perfect example of self-sacrifice, the suffering servant who died as a ransom for our sins. When you suffer for obedience to Christ, do not be ashamed, for Christ suffered and died for our disobedience. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wow, this time we actually mean it. We actually have some breaking news here at Wretched Radio. <laughs> you recall a woman last week sent an email saying, how do I deal with creepers at church? Jimmy and I responded as males. Jimmy, I presume you still identify as a male. Today. If not, you need to shave. Real bad, dude. <laughs> We responded perhaps with a little bit of a myopic perspective. We considered it from the standpoint of males not really recognizing that somebody can maybe not be creepy to a man, but can be creepy to a woman. And we heard from a number of women saying, yeah, that actually happens more regularly than you think. And I think that's worthy of our attention. But Jimmy, Mm -hmm. as soon as we finish with that, you said you got a text from the original emailer right. concerned about creepy people. That's right. She expounded a little bit more on her particular situation, and she isn't creeped out by a man. Uh, she uh, expounded more on that, and it's a, another woman in her church who has some health issues. She she has a mental illness that she's dealing with, um, but she because of her health issues, she says that the lady will, um, I guess, talk about it so often that it feels like a grab for attention or sympathy. And because of her mental illness, I guess, she says socially inappropriate things um, that make everybody kind of feel awkward that mm-hmm. is, that's standing there. And she consistently asks to babysit her son. And she just She's really not comfortable with yeah, that. So it feels creepy. Right. Interpersonal relationships at church are tricky. Because there's tons of dynamics. There's a lot of intricacies. Both sides always need to be considered before rendering any sort of a verdict. So let me, with that thought as the backdrop, just maybe more of a perspective on how we treat people in church, respond to people in church, interact with people at church that maybe aren't our cup of tea. Whether it's special needs or not, uh, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be people at church that you just maybe you're not quite on the same page for whatever reason. It's it, it tends to be issues that are pretty surfacey, clothing, hairstyles, uh, just just overall posture or even just the personality. Uh, there's a number of considerations. So let me let me just give what I think is a consideration. I don't know where it falls on the list, but to put this one up front, there just might be times when you individually can't do 
what I think is typically required of us in church with interpersonal relationships. In other words, it, it could be to the point where it's like, I can't. I can't do what the New Testament church demands of me with this person. And I think that that can be okay because there could be some things going on, you know, like in your life. So we need to recognize that's okay. Now, having said that, the posture of the Christian in the context of a local church is that we work to overcome those things so that we can love one another. In fact, happen to be preaching on that this Sunday. I got to tell you, whoo, whoo. Jesus makes the standard for entering the kingdom of heaven. It just it, It's impossible. Be perfect the way your heavenly father is perfect and love one another. Now we need to recognize, we need to identify love rightly, but this is a love that basically says, go ahead, sue me, take all my stuff because I love you. Wow. Now that needs to be moderated. We need to consider the analogy of scripture. That just isn't a lie down and be abused comment that Jesus is making. But it is telling us, whoa, we're supposed to really love one another. Then you scoot over to first John three and four. And what do you see? Hey, if you're not loving one another, you don't love God. You don't have a love the way your heavenly father has. Then you don't have a heavenly father. Whoa. So that is the direction for us, that we are supposed to be loving one another, serving one another, helping one another, rebuking one another, discipling one another. These are the imperatives for us. So if I find somebody in church that is, you know, maybe they're just a bit of a clinger. They, 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 okay, what are you going to do about that? Now, I, I can tell you what my flesh tells me to do. Let's get out of this so I can go hang with the people where it clicks. Uh, but I will tell you this, experientially, the longer you're in the faith, the more people you click with. Because those other elements, they just aren't important anymore. And, and, and there's something bigger going on in the life of the body that calls me upward to not simply wanting to fulfill my preferences for who I might like to chat to. Because this is about a body fully functioning. Furthermore, if you're dealing with somebody who's a creeper, whatever that definition is for you in your world, uh, we're not talking about sexually inappropriate. We're not talking about somebody who actually frightens you. What we're talking about is just somebody who is like, I will tell you again, the longer you are in a local church, the longer you are in the faith, the less you are going to experience that, or at least I would suggest should experience that because it's not about that. So Jimmy, okay, Jimmy, you're into, you're into country music and all you like to do is talk about country music. Okay. And what does that have to do with being brothers in the Lord? The answer is it is so superfluous. So, Jimmy, I bump into him at church, and all he's doing is talking about the latest Merle Haggard song. <laughs> the latest one, that's I right. I <laughs> don't know who the latest is. And it's, it's not the conversation that I want to have. What do I do? I'll tell you what I do. I listen to it, and I hear it, because I want to love my brother. I don't want to be cliquish. I don't want to be 
of the mindset that I'm going to gravitate toward those people where it's just a little more natural. This is what church is about. Now, there, there's a twofold benefit to seeing these things with interpersonal relationships on a more transcendent level. First of all, you're going to be a blessing to that person. You are going to bless them. Now, I will again say it can get to the point you know, we're, we're talking in such generalities here. It, it requires some caveats. It could be that the person just, you know, it's like um, kind of stalker creepy. I'm actually a little, okay, why are you at my house? That's like really inappropriate. I get that. And that needs to be addressed and dealt with. So I'm just talking about your bread and butter kind of, well, it's just not exactly, you're going to bless that person for whatever reason. Jimmy needs to talk a lot about Merle Haggard. Okay. What am I here for? Myself? No, I'm here for the Lord and I'm here for others. Because guess what? I might have some creepy behavior. If we're going to use that as our moniker, I, I, I might have some. I, I like to talk about Elvis too much. Okay, I don't because my wife reprimands me every time. But the point is, I got stuff and I'm not going to click with, I'm not going to be somebody else's cup of tea. And maybe this is the only person that's going to listen to me this week talking about my lower back ache, my lumbago. Is that the same thing? I don't know. That they'll actually hear me. And we bless people. Conversely, there's a second blessing. You. You're going to grow in patience, in loving kindness, in gentleness, in self-control. That's four fruits right there, putting up with somebody that just isn't your cup of tea. Look at you want to grow? Get in the context of the local church because there are other creepers there, and I'm one of them. And so is Jimmy. So is you to somebody. And that's the whole point. And the, I can't help but wonder in the Corinthian church if this isn't what Paul was dealing with. You just... Now, maybe it was driven by different things. No, actually, it wasn't. I mean, there was a mixture, obviously, but Paul was concerned uh, about this sectarianism. I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm a P. Uh, We're falling into our cliques. And then later, he warns about those rich people who are getting together and they're consuming the, the stuff. And then people who come late don't get nothing. So it, it, it had that sense of click. And doesn't James deal with that? with the attitude of rich toward poor and vice versa. We're prone to these things. And Jesus obliterates those things. But it doesn't just happen like bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. You're done with that. No. He puts us in the context of a local church where there are people, different socioeconomic levels, different ways of dressing, just different everything. And I'm called to something higher. The external monic, the, the the external symbols that typically cause us to judge somebody, they just go away. Because I'm not here for me. I'm here for the Lord. And I'm here for you. And if I'm doing that with you and you're doing that with me, we're going to grow together. And we're going to bless one another. And we are going to become more Christ-like who never blanched at being with anybody. Read through just read it a little slower. Start reading through the Gospel of Matthew, which is what we're preaching on at Alpharetta Bible Church. Notice how many times Jesus identifies himself with creepy people. That's, that's what he just constantly, never ashamed, never embarrassed, 
always loving, seeking their best. Why? Because that's the way that he is. And if we are going to be like him, we got to study him and then behave just like him. This is Wretched Radio. Are you ready to go on an adventure that tackles life's biggest questions head on? Well, we invite you to join John Fabares and Jake Ream on a riveting journey in Road Trip to Truth Season 4. This season, they're hitting the road to explore deep questions about sin, atheism, racism, and the very nature of truth itself. Through candid conversations with university students and wisdom from experts, this season delivers some unwavering answers from a biblical perspective. Whether it's understanding the reality of heaven and hell, navigating the complexities of marriage, or uncovering the truths about money and forgiveness, Road Trip to Truth Season 4 will be your guide. It's perfect for youth groups, families, or anyone who seeks to defend their faith with confidence. Road Trip to Truth has been more than a series. It's a tool for sparking meaningful discussions and inspiring a commitment to the gospel. So if you're ready to head out on a road trip, buckle up for the truth. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available now at wretched.org slash 4. Who will speak for those who are staggering to the slaughter? Seems like right now would be a good time to encourage you to support Preborn Ministries. They're in it. It's a little complex out there with the internet and ordering pills. They're in the game. They're working hard to save babies and save mommies and daddies with the gospel. So if you are energized about life, that's something you can do. You can support Preborn. They provide free ultrasounds, despite the accusations of all pro-life clinics. They are holistic. They do care about the mommy, too. And they care for the family, and they provide training. And it is literally a way that if you have the means, you can be saving a life. Amazing ministry. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you who tune in and listen and each and every one of you who have supported us previously. Now, I want to take a moment and ask if you would consider, prayerfully consider, joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Imagine the impact we could have together with your ongoing support. I'm talking reaching millions of people all over the world with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So standing firm is not just a posture, it is a partnership in the gospel that moves mountains, that changes hearts, and saves souls. So if you're in a good place right now in your life, you're giving to your local church, then we would ask if you would prayerfully consider joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. You can get all of the answers to all of the questions you could possibly ever have at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the cornerstone. When laying a foundation, every stone must be aligned in reference to the cornerstone. God is building His church as a holy temple, and as believers, we are being brought into line with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And no, dear sister, I was not talking about you. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, creepy people in the church. The woman who sent in the breaking news text to say, I wasn't talking about creepy dudes. I was talking about creepy women. And I went on a bit of a, no, it wasn't a bit of Friel. It was a total diatribe about how we're supposed to treat one another in church. Please note, madam, I wasn't aiming that at you uh, because I can imagine it would have come across as a scold. Wasn't wasn't trying to do that. Was just trying to speak in general toward all of us because I think that we need to remember what it looks like to really be a peculiar people, a salty people, a bright people that shine the spotlight on Jesus Christ. Even in the context of the local church, we're not supposed to be like the Pharisees who parade our good works, but people are going to see them. And this is a good work. When you and I try to be loving toward everybody in church, that, that that's going to mean that we are loving a wide variety of people that maybe, just maybe, aren't loved anywhere else. Churches do have people who have needs, special needs. Or they're just socially inept, or they just come from a background where that's just really, it's like, that's not the way we really do it around here. And there's sometimes there's people with personalities that are just aggravating. There's people in churches who are sometimes, they're going to find you for whatever reason they find you, and they are just a total Klingon. That's church. Now, the question is, how are we going to respond to that? And I would simply point out, without trying to scold either that woman or anybody else, that we need to remember, once again, there are so many pressures from the world, and there's so many concerns of life that maybe, just maybe, we're forfeiting things that are so much better for us and for others. For instance, somebody comes to your church and they have special, what whatever the special need is, and I don't care what it is, it, it might not even be what we esteem DSM-5 like special needs, but they're they just, they're socially awkward. They don't get it. They, uh, their conversation, their appearance, they wear too much perfume, just those things that I'd rather. And you know how the world treats those people? They shun them. Because they don't have time. Because they, they, they don't want to take the energy. And we feel those pressures, don't we? The world exerts that force on us. We can never fail to remember how much we are enmeshed in a particular time in history. And what our zip code is forcing us to stare at and deal with. It's just a ton of pressure. And we, we see this, don't we? And you and I... We've got something very notable. Uh, ah, I'm trying to think of the name of the fellow who described America as formerly up until, I believe, like he would have said, Bill Clinton, where, no, even like through George Bush, give it whatever the years are, that, that, that Americans were positively predisposed toward Christianity. We were, we were seen in a positive light. Then we went into neutral zone, courtesy of Barack Obama and others and universities, et cetera, where it's like, okay, we're just putting up, well, we've turned that corner and now it's in a negative light. And don't you think for a second that that doesn't impact even your theology. And don't think that that doesn't impact 
how you talk about, say, the government or the any of the institutions, because you're feeling that. And, and, and we need to recognize it's there. And I think the pressure that you and I have inside of the context of the local church, they're worldly pressures. Sometimes they're societal pressures. Societal pressure being, for instance, you don't hang out with people like that. It's just not what you want to be seen with. We reject that. We have to reject that. And we have to work toward overcoming that. Furthermore, how's about just time? Somebody comes into your church and they're... They're needy. They're genuinely needy. And I know what we all think. I'm not immune from this. I, uh, how much time can I invest in this person's life? And so that we don't become legalists and we don't put burdens on anybody's back. You can't help everybody in your church to the degree that we could or should. You just can't do it. But we do need to at least be aware. I got to make sure that my excuses are genuinely valid. Is this really? why I can't spend time with this. Is this really why I can't help this person? Is this really why I can't go do that thing with that person? So I feel all of these conflicting emotions. I've got time pressures. And by the way, there are some time pressures. And I would also suggest you're a pebble in a pond. You, you, your responsibilities, they go outward. Your inner circle is your fam. Your, your, your blood relatives in your house. And then it can go out to your family. But then it's your church family. Then it's the neighborhood. Then it's the city. Then it's the state, the nation, the world. And there's only so much any of us can do. We get that. But having said that, we do need to be aware that this is the whole point of church. Well, it's not the whole point, but it's a big point of church. One another. And and it's easy to do things with people. But listen to Jesus' standard. Why, why do you invite people to dinner who are just going to invite you to dinner back? The Gentiles do that. Why do, why do you just greet the people you like that are in your club? Gentiles do that. That isn't love. Loving in the, the sacrificial way, the way that, ah, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Our Savior. The way that Jesus loved. Hey, let me tell you, he had some time limitations. He had people crawling all over him. And we do know there were times that he got away. And that's valid and fair too, isn't it? But there are most of the time, he was simply mobbed with people and ministering to people constantly. Marching to a cross to die sacrificially for them. And he calls us to that love. And we need to be mindful that we can bring our proclivities and our preferences into our church context and maybe overlook some people who are the very people that Jesus placed in our church to help them. Now, this can get out of balance too, because guess what? People that you identify with perhaps more naturally, uh, same age, uh, same they, they dress, they drive a similar kind of car, they got kids a similar, I, I get those people. So are you saying neglect those because I just, I tend to gravitate toward them? No, I'm not. Because guess what? They have needs too. What I am saying is that we need to get rid of the external markers and we need to overcome our tendency to shy away from those more taxing relationships because they are, they are. On the one hand, they're, they're, they're more taxing. You talk about stuff you're not interested in. 
it's it's not as fun as I when I when I go out with this family. We talk about the fill in the blank that you have in common. Well, you're now you're with somebody that you don't have anything in common. It is indeed taxing on that level. But is it not also a benefit to be stretched? And I'm thinking fruit of the spirit stretched here. I'm not talking about, well, I'm just understanding how people on the other side of the tracks live. No, I'm talking about genuinely loving, genuinely listening, genuinely helping when I perhaps don't feel like it. And guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to actually become more loving. I do believe I can take a principle from James that the, 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 the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you're practicing the righteousness of God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become less angry. If you aren't as loving as you think you should be, and frankly, none of us are, but the point is, you're not as loving, start loving. Do love. Do it. Guess what's going to happen? Your heart is going to expand with that. And we don't want to then go, okay, so all we're going to do is identify the needy people inside of the church, and our church is just going to be totally focused on that. Well, I think that's a mistake because guess what? People who are your cup of tea, they have needs. So do you. So this this isn't now to create a new denomination or the church of the creepy people. Come and we'll, okay, well, in order for creepy people to be ministered to, there need to be some non-creepy people and vice versa. So don't don't hear this as, oh, so now we need to become that kind of a church where a church kind of takes on a character. I don't think that's that's the right focus, nor is it the point. The point is that we are to be a people whose eyes are open and we are willing to do what is needed for the sake of others. Why would we do that? Well, what was your need? Frankly, what is your need? Spiritual and physical. And who fills it? Who who satisfies your every single need? Your Savior, your God. He gives and he gives and he loves and he loves. And he calls us based on experiencing his love to see others in a different light and love them. And I'm telling you, as we do that, the world's going to see that and go, those people, it's weird. They look in the windows and they see, hey, the the rich guy is with the with the poor dude and the, the different skin colors. Look at, they're all just getting along together. The different age groups. Whoa, old people with teen. What's going on in that place? And that is exactly the point. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.